Well, if you have your Bibles, join me in Mark chapter 12, Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28. If uh, maybe you don't have a, a printed copy of Scripture with you, you can pull out your mobile device and uh, type in faithchurchks.org, and there's a card right there that says Sermon Notes. You can click on that and uh, read the Scriptures with us, even take your own notes and email them to yourself later if you'd like. Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28, this is, what it, this is what it says. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, and noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he decided to interject his own thoughts and opinions and invite himself into a conversation that he wasn't previously invited to. And he says, so, all of the commandments of all of them, which of them is the most important? I mean, you're so wise, Jesus. Why don't, why don't you tell us what's the most important? How many, how many of you know there's a difference between asking a question and questioning things? There's a difference between asking a question to, to learn and to grow and having a critical spirit that's just trying to question things and stir stuff up. An argumentative nature. This guy... I believe, was the latter. And look at how Jesus answered and responded and dealt with them. He says, well, the, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Everybody say heart. And with all your soul, say soul. And with all your mind, say mine. And with all your strength, say strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. There is no commandment greater than these. I want to speak to you for the next couple minutes in week number four of a series that we're calling Won't You Be My Neighbor. I want to speak to you from the subject entitled Difficult People. Difficult People. People, turn to the person you're sitting next to and says, don't be difficult. Don't be difficult. If I just started a marriage argument, I apologize. <laughs> Keep listening, it'll get better, I promise. I find it really easy to show compassion and love towards other people uh, when I have like, where my heart is soft and tender. You know, like starving children in Africa. Get in my heart, and I want to be compassionate towards them. Uh, people who are at disadvantage, and man, they've really, really just gone through a rough season. They lost a loved one. They're walking through a, a tragedy. It's in those moments, I think it's pretty easy and even natural for us to show compassion to those people. But what about the people who are just difficult? You have those people in your life where where it doesn't really matter what you say or what you do, you just can't win with them. Like, it doesn't matter what you say, what you do, they're always going to have some backhanded compliment to give you. Do you have in-laws like that, maybe? Where it doesn't really matter what you say, you're going to get criticized. It's never going to be good enough. Maybe you have a boss that is, it doesn't matter what you do, whatever you did wasn't good enough. Maybe you have a, somebody you go to school with and 
It doesn't really matter what happens. They're always gonna gossip about you. They're always gonna find something negative, something to say. They're always spreading rumors, talking about somebody, doing something, being mean, giving you dirty looks. It doesn't really matter what you do. You're not gonna make your next door neighbor happy. It doesn't matter how many times you clean up your dog stuff, how nice you keep your yard, how many times you smile and wave, boys. They're still gonna be jerks. Because some people are just difficult. Some people are just frustrating. Some people just get under your skin, and they know they get under your skin. This is why I hate cats. <laughs> like, nobody's ever been licked by a cat and be like, I feel so loved. No, you're like, where are the Band-Aids? Like, they just rub all up on you. Like, get up off of me. Leave your hair to yourself. They're difficult. They're demonic. <laughs> we have these people in our lives who it seems like doesn't matter what, they're always late. They're always gonna blame somebody else for their thing. And there's always those people, it doesn't matter how much effort, it may have been a group project at school, they're gonna take all the credit for it. These are difficult people. And the question is, how in the world are we supposed to love difficult people? Because they exist. They're in our lives. They're in the places that we shop. They're in the streets that we drive on. They're in the schools that we attend. They're in the workplace in which we live. And they are in our backyard oftentimes. They are just difficult people and you can't escape it. You can't get far enough away from it. They're there no matter what. They're just difficult. They're hard to deal with. Always needing something and never adding value. They're, they're just difficult people. And it would be easy to sit there and say, well, they must not be my neighbor. That's not who it is. Because when our hearts are moved with compassion and when we love somebody, we want to be neighborly. But how do we neighbor difficult people? How do we neighbor difficult people? I, I think that we've got to look at how Jesus dealt with difficult people so that we can learn how we can deal with difficult people. This, this really intelligent lawyer, religious law student, showed up, inserted himself into a conversation with Jesus, and had all of the right religious jargon and asked what seemed like a valid question, but I believe that his heart and his spirit were very much that of a negative sense, a critical spirit, and he just inserted himself, and he became a difficult person, and Jesus dealt with him masterfully. He, he kind of sets us and gives us a pattern to show us how to deal with the difficult people that we're going to encounter in our lives, Be, because here's the reality. You're going to keep running into difficult people, have you noticed that? It doesn't matter what school you attend, how old you get, what neighborhood you live in, how much money you make, or, or, or where you work, difficult people keep showing up. And oftentimes, it's the same kind of difficult people who keep showing up. And it just rubs you the wrong way, and it's there, and it, it is frustrating, because, because I think at the end of the day, if, if we're going to be really, really honest we have to be willing to look and say in every relationship where there's a difficult person, the only common denominator is you. And it's me 
In every difficult relationship, the only person that's consistent is you, and it's me. What if it's not so much the crazy characters in our life, but rather the character within our life that God is trying to address? I wonder if there are character things in our heart that haven't been fixed, that we haven't come to a place of maturity yet, and so God keeps giving us crazy characters as an opportunity to sharpen our own character. And and Jesus kind of gives us a pattern on, on how to progress and grow in these things. And the first thing I think we have to understand, if we're going to neighbor difficult people in those relationships, whether we play a part, it's all their fault, wherever you land with that thought, regardless, we have to live with this understanding that Jesus says that the most important thing is that we would love the Lord our God with everything that we have. Let me say it another way. Loving God is the starting block for all healthy relationships. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. He's talking about love God with full sincerity. Don't give it lip service. Give it all your heart. Be sincere in your devotion to God. Don't don't just play it. Don't just uh, pretend. No, no, be sincere in your love for God. He said, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your your soul. In, In other words, with your emotions and your willpower, love God. You're probably a pretty strong-willed person. You have wills and desires, and there are emotions. And, and Jesus is saying, you've got to learn how to love God with all of your will, all of your passion, all of your self-determination, everything inside of you. You need to be willing to love God with that. Let me say it another way. You need to be willing to allow God's love to grow within those areas. This is loving with all your mind. That's your, that's your creativity. That's your, your mental capacity. That's, that's in growing in a knowledge, but this, this creativity and a mindset, it needs to love God. Your mindset needs to love God. Your creativity needs to, to love God. And, and I love how he says, and love God with all of your strength. In other words, all of your energy, all of your effort, make sure it's loving God. Make make sure all of your effort and your energies are are part of of loving God. I I think a lot of times people are like, well, I want to grow my relationship with God, and I know I need to spend time in the Word and pray, but like, do I have to do it in the morning time? What if I do it at like a lunchtime? Is that okay or does it always have to be in the morning? Do I have to always start my day out with the Lord? And always? Here, here's, here's my, my response to all of that. When it comes to your time with Jesus and developing your relationship with him, give him your best when you're at your best. Like, are you a morning person? Make sure you're bringing some of the best part of your morning to God. Are you a night person? You're a night owl? Make sure you're giving God some of your best nighttime energy. Give it to him. When are you at your best? Give God your best then. Here's, here's why. Because if we're going to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and every healthy relationship starts because we have a healthy relationship with God, then we've got to discover and discern how to love God with our best. And when you love God with your best, his best 
will show up to you. When you love God with your best, with your best energy, your best creativity, with your best heart and will and drive, when you love God with your best, his best will come to you. God has a way of bringing his best into your life when you make a habit of giving God your best first. It all starts with this idea of, of giving God our, our best. Look, look at uh, how Colossians chapter 2, verses 22 through 24 says it. It says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. Now, the Bible's not saying slavery is good. In Bible days, that was basically any employee was considered a slave. Some of you are like, nothing's changed. Nonetheless, that's what he's talking about. In other words, you could say, those of you that have a boss, those of you that have a job, do it not only when their eye is on you, when you have a, a review coming up, when they're working in a project with you, when they're aware of the things that you're doing, when they're praising you for it. No, no, no. Do it not only when their eye is on you to try and earn their favor and manipulate the system, but do it with the sincerity of your heart and out of reverence to the Lord. In other words, make sure your heart is sincere. You're loving God by by doing what you're supposed to and bringing your best. Verse 23 says, whatever you do, whether you're a stay-at-home parent or you're a para in the education system, whether you're a banker or you're a bricklayer, whether you're working and fixing the roads or you're fixing people's broken bones, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. With all your mind, with all your will, with all your energies, with all your effort, bring your best to whatever it is that you do. You go to school for a living, that's all of you students, that's what you do with all of your heart. You sit in that math class and you, you take the best notes you possibly can. Why? Because you're doing it with all your heart. Working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. I believe that what he's saying is hard work reveals your love for God. I'm going to take just a minute. The better you're doing in school, it reveals an understanding that you're not doing things just for good grades. You're doing things because you're trying to honor God. When you're in your job, whether you love your job, hate your job, you work with all of your heart energy bringing your best because you're not working for the paycheck. You're not working for the boss. You're not working for the man and you're not working to try and stick it to the man. What you're trying to do is work in a way that says, God, you get it all. You're getting my best. And I'm using this context of my local work to express my eternal devotion to my God. And when you bring your best... God's best comes to you. If you want to experience God's best in your relationship, if you want to bring, if you want to experience God's best in your finances, you do it because you bring him your best first and his best comes to you as a result. 
Your relationship with God is the starting block for every healthy relationship. Why? Because I really believe with all my heart this this next statement is true. We've got to focus first on working for God's cheers first. We're not trying to get the approval of other people. We're not trying to get the applause from anybody but God. When you live in your relationship and in your working environment, in your school, in your home, as a neighbor, when you live with the understanding that everything I do, I'm doing it to hear the applause of heaven. I'm doing it so that my relationship with God is growing. I'm doing it so that I can get God's cheers in my life. It's the starting block for your healthy relationships around you. If you have difficult people in your life, I know it seems counterintuitive, but if you have difficult people that you're trying to to be in relationship with and trying to get those relationships a little more healthy, it starts by first having a healthy relationship with God Almighty and getting his cheers for you first. See, learning to love God and receive his love helps train you to see value in you. When you hear the applause of heaven, you begin to discover the value that God has on your life. You begin to recognize and receive love in yourself. And when you experience the overwhelming, amazing love of God because you're bringing your best and you're growing in that relationship, something happens in you and you begin to see value within yourself where you used to devalue yourself. You start to recognize that I'm loved by God. And if I'm loved by God, I, I, don't, need, I don't need anything else. This is it. This is, I'm living in such a way that says, I, I just want to know that God is like, yes, yes, you're awesome. I love you. You're amazing. You're doing it. Keep going. And the opinions of other people begin to fade away. Don't, don't try and curry favor with the difficult people. Start by working for God's cheers in your life first. Because when you start to hear the applause from heaven, you start to discover the value in yourself. And you can't value others if you don't first value yourself. Let me put it in in the same way Jesus did. You can't love your neighbor as you love yourself if you have no love for yourself. It's in our love that we receive from God that we actually can begin to love ourselves. Loving yourself is the prompt that God gave you to teach you how to love somebody else. Think of it. I really do believe that your selfishness and my selfishness, your self-indulgences and my self-indulgences are actually there to prompt us and show us how we can love someone else. Let me say it another way. How many of you have ever heard of the five love languages? Just kind of quick wave your hand. You heard the five love languages? Very cool. You've got to go check it out. Five, the number five, lovelanguages.com. Go do it. Free test. A lot of fun. You'll learn something new about yourself. Five love languages. There are five love languages that every human is geared to receive one of these five ways. It's, it's gift giving, words of affirmation, quality time, 
acts of service, physical touch. One of those hardwired in you is the way that you receive and naturally communicate love. Because the love that you receive best is often the best way that you give love away. (laughs) Because when you understand how to love yourself, you can then understand how to love your neighbor just the way you want to be loved yourself. And when you discover that every person has a unique love language, you can begin to look for signs as to what that language is, the way they best love and receive love, and then you can start giving them love in that way. But you can't love others if you don't love yourself. And you will never love yourself if you're not in a loving relationship with your heavenly father. It all starts in that place. But we've got to move and migrate to this this spot where we start loving other people, even difficult people, even the people that get on our last nerve, even even people who love cats. I mean, (laughs) that whatever. Even the most difficult of people you can learn to love. Look at Leviticus 19 and verse 18. It says it like this. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. When was the last time you got revenge on yourself? When was the last time you threatened to sue yourself? When was the last time you walked out on yourself? When was the last time you got so upset at what you did, you held a grudge and refused to forgive yourself until you apologized to yourself? But yet, how many times do people that we don't like, we don't agree with, we don't think are the right way, or rub us the wrong way because they think different, vote different, look different, shop different, whatever, all of a sudden we've got these grudges and we want revenge and we want to get them back and we want to prove them right. And we do that to other people all the time, but yet we would never do that to ourselves. We would never do it to ourselves. I... I think that we've got to understand that when we first are getting the cheers from God, we can then turn around and cheer for others. That's the whole point. We get cheers from God first, then we can turn around and start cheering for other people, even the difficult ones. We can find something to help cheer them about, but but when we cheer for other people, what we're really doing is telling ourselves we're not going to walk in comparison. We're not gonna walk in criticism. We're we're not gonna walk in a way that would be critical of them. Rather, we're gonna show compassion to them by cheering them on. I think this area of comparison leads us to try and compete with other people. 
We don't like the way they go about their job because they get more praise than we get on the job. So we're gonna walk comparing the way they do it with what we do it and we end up competing with one another rather than having compassion and cheering them on. And, and, it's, and it's true because, man, we, we, we do this often. We will, we will criticize their actions while critiquing us based on our intentions. We, we will crucify them for the things that they did while hoping they show compassion or we show compassion to ourselves because we know what we intended. They say the same thing you said. They were late, you were late. But they were more late. And you didn't intend to be late, it just happened. Really? We have to stop judging others on their actions while giving ourselves passes based on our intentions. What, what about their intentions? Well, it doesn't matter. They do it on purpose all the time. They always send me emails in all caps. For those of you older than 27, sending a personal email in all caps is like yelling at somebody. Public service announcement over. There, there is this competition that grows inside of us when we are comparing somebody else with ourselves. But we don't compare it even fair. We compare our attentions against their actions. That's how we compare, and it's wrong, and it's unhealthy, and it's crippling our ability to give compassion. You know what the antivenom is to comparison? You want to know, young people, what the antivenom is to comparing how you dress with how somebody else is dressing? You want to know what it is? Celebrating them. Celebration is the antivenom to comparison. When you can look at them and say, man, I love those shoes. Those look awesome. You're killing comparison that's really what you want to say is, man, I wish I had those shoes. You kill comparison when you start celebrating. Oh, that was a great idea. Excellent. That's wisdom. Oh, so good. Man, thank you for adding that value. Man, so I didn't think of it that way. You start cheering them on, cheering for them and what they did. It, it begins to create an antidote and an antivenom for the nasty, evil comparison that, to be honest, is so natural for so many of us. So natural for so many of us. And what we don't fully understand, we always criticize. We don't understand where they're coming from, so we criticize them. We cut them down. We've got to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but that's only so that we can turn around and love other people. Jesus didn't treat this smart aleck like a jerk. Jesus responded to this smart aleck with compassion. In fact, at their end of their, their discourse back and forth, Jesus had said this, and then the, the, the lawyer's like, absolutely, you're right, you said it well. Jesus looks at him and then, and in verse 34, when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said, man, you're not far from the kingdom of heaven. You're right there, right close. You keep going in that direction and you'll see the fullness of God in your life. You're not far from it. Jesus encouraged him. He cheered him on. He didn't cut him down with criticism. Didn't cut him down with comparison. He just cheered him on. 
Listen, we'll be able to cheer other people on when we get a full understanding that God cheers us on when we're the difficult ones. How does God treat you when you're being difficult, when you're being angry, when you're frustrated, when you don't hold up your end of the deal again? How does God treat you? That's that's how we've got to learn. That's why our relationship with God is the starting block for every healthy relationship because we have an opportunity to get it right with God and that helps us learn trial and error how to get it right with other people. We, we, we get it right with God and when you realize your cheers are coming from God, you are free to cheer them on. Okay, whole, whole sermon in a sentence, here you go. You neighbor your peers, the ones you like, and the ones you want to wipe off the face of the earth because they're difficult. You neighbor your peers when you choose to honor them instead of compare with them. When you choose to honor them instead of comparing your life with them. Pastor, what do you mean by honor? Let me give you a definition of honor. Change the game for you. It's changed the game for me. Honor is simply this, helping other people see the value in themselves. That's honor. When you help somebody else discover that they have value and they see that value, you are helping honor them. You wanna know why most people are difficult? Because they've never seen the value in themselves. You wanna know when you're the most difficult in your relationship with God? It's when you forget your value as a son or a daughter of the king. You forget your value. The difficult people in your life aren't being difficult because they hate you. They're being difficult because they've never seen that they're valuable. They've forgotten it. They don't know. And that's why it's up to us to get the cheers from heaven and know that God has valued so much us so that we can turn around and give value to them Your attitude and your actions will demonstrate honor or value, or your attitudes and actions will demonstrate dishonor, where you devalue, degrade, dehumanize them. Your attitude and your actions. Your attitude and your actions. They're either gonna add value, help them see value, or you're gonna devalue, degrade, disregard them, your attitude, your actions. So, so what if we just made a decision, we're gonna do things like, I don't know, smile more. Smiling at people lets them know that they matter. Smile is simple. It's hard to remember when you get focused on your own things, but smile more. Some of you could smile back at me, it'd be all right, I wouldn't mind. Smile more, <laughs> show gratitude. Somebody does something for you, say thank you. Say thank you. Defer your preferences. No, 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 you, you go ahead. You, you've only got a, a couple items. I'll be here a while. I've got 700 coupons. Defer your preferences. You've got an agenda, but come on. Coupons? Slowing things down. Let somebody else go first 
for your preferences. Give somebody the benefit of the doubt. What if they're late because their kid was throwing up all night? But you don't know that. You just see that they're late again. Give somebody the benefit of the doubt. Maybe ask more questions instead of making more statements. Why, why do you think that? Why, why did you come to that understanding? What is it that, where, where, help me understand this a little better. You're giving them place to speak. Giving them a chance to express. Listen, if we can add value to people, they'll begin to see value in themselves. But it all starts because we've made a decision to love our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And God's response to us, no matter the season that we're in, is he gives us value. He helps us discover the value that he's placed in us because while we were still sinful and arrogant and prideful and critical and we know it all and we can't learn nothing and we're selfish and self-righteous and while we were all like that, he says, I'm gonna die for you. And he gave us value. Even when you don't see the value in you, he does. He does. And when you start seeing the value that he has in you, you can then love your neighbor as God has loved yourself. Show honor. Add value. Help other people see their value. The difficult people aren't there just to be difficult. I believe they're shaping a new level of character in you. It's helping you learn how to add value to other people who haven't yet seen their own value. I think that the characters in our life, especially the difficult characters, are there because God is shaping our character through this relationship. We can't give up on our character development because we're frustrated with the characters in our lives. And oftentimes, the people that we're most frustrated by remind us of ourselves. When you make a decision to honor your peers, honor your fellow students, honor your coworkers, honor the people that live down the street, when you honor them, add value to them, they'll begin to see the value in themselves that they've never seen before. And maybe, just maybe, they'll find the value that their heavenly father has in them too. Honor matters. Would you stand with me as we come to a close? I want to ask everybody to take just a minute. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes just for a second. And would you just in this moment ask the Lord, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? What, what are you speaking to me today? What do you want me to see today? in this moment of prayer, if you're here, and just by way of response to the Spirit today, if you would say, Pastor, I'm, I want to live this week. I want to make an effort to help other people see the value in themselves. 
I'm going to do that this week. If that's you, would you just put a hand in the air before the Lord and say, yeah, Lord, I'm going to do that. I'm going to help other people see the value in themselves. Lord, you see all of these hands and, and hearts. Lord, we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to do it all right. But God, I pray that this week you would show us the value that you have for us so we can help other people see that same value in themselves. God, help us to do it. Give us grace to do it. Help us smile and defer our preferences. Give them the benefit of the doubt. May we not be so quick to judge or criticize, but rather, Lord, may we continue to cheer them on as we ourselves are being cheered on from you, our Father. We ask these things in Jesus' name.